on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Google Analytics is getting judgy. I mean, predictive on who is going to convert on a site. Sorry, folks. You can't get two times your Bitcoin investment. Twitter's verified accounts were hacked, frozen, and fixed on one wild Wednesday. Plus, Shep calls for her mummy at the site of our old bite clips. No, you can't shame Jess into buying that skull apparel. It's already been purchased. And Greg knows a surprising amount of information about the whole Free Britney thing. Hashtag Free Britney, all (laughs) on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. A proud part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Christine Zernheld. AKA Shep. I'm Jess Budd. And I'm Greg Finn. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on July 17th, 2020. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news show each and every Friday morning. All your digital marketing news from the week. Powered by the digital marketing community. And if you want to join the conversation, just hit us up. We are at Marketing O'Clock everywhere. So it's good to see you guys. How's your week been so far, Greg? Oh, not too bad. Um, as we talked about, though, last week, we were on the Search Engine Journal show, which in case you didn't listen to the full show, they're no longer going to be on a weekly format. And we talked to them about how to make a podcast. And little did I know, right after we recorded that show, apparently my kids snuck into my office and turned every level up in full on my soundboard, which is A, a bummer, and B, so embarrassing. It's like, here, here, here's a podcast. Listen to this person that sounds completely blown out. So hopefully we've got that fixed again. We say that all the time. Working from home is really tough getting all this right. And and my kids, though, they did admit it. That's good. I asked the girl and I asked the boy. And the boy's like, I I probably did it. Aww, he just wanted to get involved. He heard about the podcast, about podcasting. He's like, I want to play and, and turn like, it all You off. ruined the podcast, boy. <laughs> no, just That's joking. good. They didn't blame each other. That's the goal, I guess. That's huge. Yeah. Parenting win. What okay. about you, Jess? I also had a, a parenting win. Ever since I had a child, we run the dishwasher like every day. So I'm trying to use less and less. And you guys maybe already do this, but I discovered a life hack. This week, instead of getting out a cutting board to cut things out, if I'm just going to cut up like a tomato that's already in Tupperware, I use the lid as my cutting board. And it's been life-changing. Like I've just had so many fewer dishes to use. I do that with cheese. There you go. See? I mean, who needs a cutting board? I guess if you're, you know, a chef, a professional chef, you might want one. (laughs) With your bacon cheddar cheese or smoked bacon bacon whiskey cheese? No, that was was Jess. That was me. I like Gouda, so... I keep the brick of cheese in the Tupperware and then I cut it on the lid. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's smart. Hey, did you guys hear about the French cheese factory? Oh, no. We. Oui. I feel a, bun, a pun coming. <laughs> you feel it? <laughs> it, ex- it exploded and there's debris everywhere. <laughs> oh, boy. That's terrible. Okay, well, yeah. and I was just going to say, <laughs> I, I talked about my cousin's babes in Leanne last week. 
and uh, Babes and Mary, I think I talked about, Leanne's the other sister. I told them I'm a YouTuber and that they should check me out on my channel and smash the subscribe button. So <laughs> just wanted to welcome them for listening. And thanks for the support, guys. And if anybody else wanted to, to, to subscribe, like Babes and Leanne, where would they go, Shep? <laughs> the Search Engine Journal YouTube channel, no spaces. And you can check out our little clips of our main news stories too. We're calling them mini. And if you wanted to hear about how this podcast is made, you can also check out the Search Engine Journal show. We were on the last current episode of the Search Engine Journal show with Brent Satoris talking about how we go about making the show each and every week. And thanks again if for anybody that leaves us a review. We love it. And if you do, you're officially knighted as a power listener. Thank you. I thought that was only for Stephen Johns. I guess not. No, what he... is happening in the news this week? <laughs> well, internet scammery has hit a new low this week. Several major company and other high-profile individual Twitter accounts, including Elon Musk, Kanye West, Barack Obama, Bill Gates, were hacked. And this attack happened on Wednesday. Hacked accounts were used to post tweets, essentially offering people... <laughs> the ability to double their investment if they drop some Bitcoin into a specific Bitcoin address. Only for the next 30 minutes, some of these offers says offers say. That wasn't and, real what Joe Biden said? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Seems like such a good investment opportunity. I know. I need my PTCs back now. <laughs> I really hope, like, it sounded so fake. It was so obvious that I really hope that nobody fell for it, right? It's quite obviously a scam. And that's bad in and of itself. But the big deal here is that apparently it was internal employee tools that were compromised in the hack. So really, really big deal. And while investigating the issue, Twitter just said, we need to stop this. So they suspended all verified accounts from tweeting, changing their passwords, doing anything except for Twitter support, of course, which is verified. And they were still tweeting because they had to tell everybody what was still up. And this was just crazy. It's unprecedented. This has never happened before. And the suspension also appeared to have impacted advertisers. Our very own power listener, Julie Bikini, aka Neptune Moon on Twitter, posted that she was unable to create a promoted tweet because, and quote, um, to quote the notification she got, it looked like spam. And then Greg Finn tried to chime in and help Julie out, but he couldn't reply to her tweet because he's verified. So being the smart guy that he is, he used the marketing o'clock account to tweet at her and was able to help her out just nasty stuff going on on Twitter. It's since been resolved, but this was just crazy pants. You guys don't know what it was like last night. I know. You don't have no (laughs) idea what it was like. No idea. Literally no idea. What I went through last night. It was good. It was good to not be verified for once. Yeah. (laughs) It it just madness. Yeah. But to the point about that Julie had, it was for an advertisement, which is extra insane that, you are trying to give Twitter money and you can't make us a, a sponsored tweet. That's crazy. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, maybe they were just doing things fast, but I don't like the notification. It just said it looks like spam. Like it should have just said unavailable or something like that because she was sitting there wondering how she could fix her creative. Right. I mean, and that was not the problem. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And one other thing, I believe that there was one source, a person that was compromised at Twitter and had access to give to all the the accounts. But I don't think it was like the tools. I think there was a one bad apple over there that mm. got, it was paid off, I believe was the case. Oh, that's bad. I didn't know that part. That's even worse, yeah. 
That's really, really bad. I don't know. All I know is when it was all over, I opened the Twitter app and the first thing I saw was a tweet from Billy Eichner, AKA Billy on the street. And I don't really know if I get the joke he was making. It was just a picture of Mel Gibson and it said, welcome back everyone. So like, I'm just in the mode, like give me back my tweets. But I don't know if that's what he was, was doing or not, but it made me laugh. <laughs> Sunshine at the end. <laughs> that's so random. And it's also just like not acknowledging the little people who never had to leave because they're not verified, but whatever, Billy. Eichner. Also true. I don't know what else is going on. Also this week, Google made a bunch of announcements with new features. So first, the image extension beta is officially on. I didn't realize that it wasn't already. We have this in some of our clients' accounts, so definitely double check to see if you have it now, if you didn't have it before, now that they're making it official. But these are just images that show on the right side of your text ad in the search results. They have an example in this article with Boss, and it's like a fashion picture. It's pretty cool. And you can upload them or you can have Google scan your website and dynamically find the images. It just, it was like this big announcement and it has already been happening. It reminded me of now everyone's worried about Britney Spears when I've been worried about her for years and years and trying to get people's attention. Nobody listened. Now all of a sudden save Britney, you know, it hasn't been all of a sudden. All of a sudden image. Yeah. All of a sudden. Brittany, no, no. are you talking about? It's been free Britney, right? Yeah, it's free Britney. Britney alone. No. People are so much more worried about her now. But isn't, isn't the time coming up? Somebody told me that. Was it Mark or somebody on the team told me that this legal drama is coming to an end? Oh, I didn't hear that. I thought it was like either. this month. I where... think that's wishful thinking. She's under conservatorship. She can't make any of her own legal decisions. I heard something about the state of Hawaii, and that's why she likes it so much because it's not covered there or something. I don't know, but free Britney. I'm glad there's attention to it. And I'm glad there's attention on image extensions now, but they've been around for a little bit. So the other announcement they made is that you can add countdown customizers to RSAs, responsive search ads. These were already available for regular text ads. So you might be familiar with them. If you're doing some kind of promotion or hosting an event in five years when we're having events again, they'll say how long the user has before the promotion expires or that event takes place right in the search results. And if you've never used this before, we actually have a really awesome guide on how to set them up in your ads from Andy on our team. We will link that in the show notes. And when you're building your RSAs, they also announced that in the online interface, they're going to start making specific recommendations for ad copy, such as online availability or shopping info. So that's nice, I guess, if you're out of ideas. They're also introducing cross-campaign reporting, so you can see how your assets perform across campaigns, including for the description line for the first time in your RSAs, so that's awesome. And finally, in shopping campaigns, you can optimize your conversion goal for all online sales or just for new customer acquisition. So that'll be nice if anyone wants to separate their campaigns and optimize for the different customers, have different CPA goals, all good things, all in one week. That's crazy. The fact that you can bid differently if Google thinks they haven't been a customer before, that's really powerful. I'm excited to try that out. We were just talking about a meeting with one of our shopping clients with our, our agency, Cypress North, and threw it out there. I'm like, this is going to be really fun to test out. So yeah. I'm excited. We'll report back on it and let you know how that goes. And beep, 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 beep. Got an update here, breaking news. The conservatorship is going to go to the judge, Brittany's conservatorship, August 22nd. So she it may goes be free. Time though. She may be freed on the twenty second. Let's have our fingers crossed, okay? I hope so, but I just I don't. The hopes aren't that high. That's all I'm saying. 
<laughs> okay, well, something with high hopes comes from Susan Wenegrad over on Search Engine Journal and Google Analytics has announced a new feature, predictive audiences and predictive metrics. This is only available in the app plus web beta product offering, but it's going to be located within audience builder. And so if you are in analytics and you have this ability, you're going to be able to see new audience based off of two audience types, likely buyers and likely churning purchasers. So this is going to give you the ability to make different audiences like these are a likely first time seven day purchaser, likely seven day churning purchaser, but they're trying to use previous data to turn to, to turn them into a prediction basically, right? One of the things that Susan said in the article was that this new audience feels a lot like Facebook's conversion goal, which similarly targets users likely behavior. There are a lot of really cool images of this suggesting who you might want to use, who you might want to create and turn into a custom audience. I also have predictive metrics and I predict that you two didn't actually look at the GIF in the article. Am I right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Right. See, I'm, I'm, I'm perfect. Google hire me and I'll go through and let everybody know what's happening. But the GIF shows you that you can put data in and you'll see based on this cool color coded blue, um, it's kind of like a chart of what the different audiences, what the likelihood is that they'll convert and how you can get even more granular. Definitely check it out. Head on over to marketingclock.com. We have a link to Susan's article and you can see it in action in this GIF. A few more things, some requirements if you want predictive metrics. And this is funny, and at least to me. You need to have equal populations for users who bought and users who did not. The minimum size is 1,000 users in each bucket. I'm like, yo, for real though, you got to find a site with like a 50% conversion rate for e-commerce? Like, that's crazy, but really? you need to have a, bi a big data size, a data sample for this. Also, the, you need to have a sustained audience quality over a period of time instead of something that's fluctuating wildly. So if you've got tons of spikes, not going to help, not going to work. And the metrics reach model will be generated by user one time per day. If you don't meet the criteria that are outlined above, you will not have the predictions. And I guess you just got to wait till the next day. So... This gave me like a million dollar idea. My brain has been on fire, but I got a million dollar idea. Somebody needs to hack in. We got to get those people that got Twitter, hack into the predictive data. And it's a shopping cart add-on. And it tells you when you're about to go purchase or when you're looking at an item and say, Google predicts you won't buy this item. And then you're like, oh yeah, watch me. Right? That's a good idea. That would not work on me. Yeah. Some people it might. People if you were like, just, if you I'll went show there you. and you put a, a skull hoodie or sweater or scarf or whatever, yeah. and you put it in your cart and Google's like, oh, just so you know, you're probably not going to buy this. You're going to be like, oh yeah, watch. Boom. Google would never say that about me because I would 100% have already bought it by the time it stopped sinking. <laughs> Fair enough. And if you want to try to get into the program, Susan's got some some data as to what to do, some of the predictive metrics, and how you can sign up for the App Plus Web Property Beta. Thank you, Susan. Now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. 
We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. And this week's Take of the Week comes from Janine Monaco at Janine. It's Janine, right? Yeah. Janine? Janine. Janine. But it's spelled J-A-N-I-N-E-S-E-M on Twitter. And Corey Hanke over on the PPC chat this week put out the first question of the session. And he said, Q1, what would be the advantages of testing video on YouTube versus Facebook? And Janine said, not having to deal with the FB interface. Hashtag PPC chat. Burn. (laughs) That's good. Your words have never been spoken. And now time for this week's I See Why Am I. This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something that you overlooked. But you shouldn't have. I see why am I, James Webster at PPC Webster said on Twitter this week, if you ever see a random drop off in products in your Google Merchant Center or just like that extra peace of mind, then make sure that you have the product protection setting on. I, Christine Zernheld, had never heard of this. So you can find it under settings, account settings, and product protection, and it keeps removed products active for up to 30 days if you have it enabled. So thanks, James. I see why am I. Now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts. Paid, organic, and social. First up in the paid universe this week, YouTube has a new reporting metric for creators called RPM, or revenue per thousand views. This is based on ads, channel membership, YouTube premium revenue, super chat, and super stickers. Remember when we talked about those? <laughs> of course. <laughs> you can pay people on YouTube with the stickers. Unfortunately. <laughs> so this will be different than your CPM because it's calculated after YouTube's revenue share and includes all views, even those that aren't monetized. So we always like more data, more metrics for our YouTube creators. It's great news. Uh, babes, Leanne, Mary, feel free to send us some stickers on this video if you're watching. We, we can't, we're not eligible for that. <laughs> they could just mail us stickers. I would take those. <laughs> I would also, pay them to mail us stickers. not eligible for stickers. <laughs> Jess, I'm disappointed in you. When Shep said that the new metric is called RPM, I figured you're gonna be like, vroom, vroom. Some bad pun. You didn't get a, a single bad pun on that. Well, I, I think I used that. up my quota with the cheese joke earlier, which, by the way, I read Wait. on the internet. Wait. I didn't make that up. You have a quota of bad puns? I had no idea. <laughs> it's not true, because that's only one, and you've certainly done at least full, like four or five in an episode. I have another one, if you guys want it. Oh, shoot. I'm ready. <laughs> what, what did the daddy buffalo say to his little boy when he left? Bye, son. <laughs> oh... So good. Also, the worst joke I've ever heard. You're welcome. (laughs) And nice. Greg, did you get it? She made a pun. No, I missed it. Laugh. She said it. She heard. Oh. Yeah. It was the kind you had to spell. It wasn't a good one. I got it. None of them are good. Okay, moving (laughs) on. (laughs) Starting August 11th, Google will no longer allow ads for anything used for spyware and surveillance technology. This will apply to both search and shopping ads. I like how they're like, oh, we're just going to wait to the 11th. You know, let's spy away and everything. And uh, maybe call me a little bit crazy. Call me a conspiracy theorist. Kind of close to one Brittany is getting out. (laughs) Oh, shoot. (laughs) 
That is so true, Greg. And it's the 11th. Like, I feel like when they announce things, it's usually like the first or the end of the month. It's weird. And when I heard spyware and surveillance technology, my immediate thought was like trench coats, magnifying glass, binoculars, but it's not even anything fun like that. So don't worry. They have examples in this article of what's considered spyware. So this includes software that monitors texts, phone calls, and internet browsing, and hardware such as GPS trackers meant to spy without consent, just like Britney Spears' conservators are doing over her. We should, so can somebody get Marty Bird on the blower? I think he'd like this. Is that Ozarks? Bird. Ozarks, yeah. Oh. I think that shows such a snooze fest. It's a nice nap. It's not that good, but that Ruth person is phenomenal. Yes. And it's, also- it is maybe my favorite meme until this week of the past year that I've seen is when she was saying that she doesn't know. She doesn't it's know. Ask about F. Podcast. Ask, ask about F. I could say that. Okay. <laughs> I want to know what the new meme is. That's your new favorite. What? You just said oh, it was your favorite up until this week. Uh, oh, I know we'll what get it to is. It. You're getting we'll get to, to it. it a little later. Okay. Stick okay. around, folks. Okay. So before I was a little interrupted, they're talking about Brittany. Uh, it also includes ca- cameras and recorders that are marketed with the purpose of spying without consent. All bad things. I don't need to see ads. Next up, Google made their 3D swirl ad format globally available to display and video 360 customers. This is not a tasty ice cream treat as it sounds. It is actually a f- ad format where users can rotate, zoom, and expand 3D elements in, in these swirly, swirly ads. They're really fun to look at. You need to check out the website. They had like a car one. You like those? They're fun. I, I don't know. They're obtrusive. I th- It looks like on a website. I haven't seen one in the wild. Have you? No, but I don't know <laughs> if it's just the GIF that they have and there's a certain number of pixels and, and size you could put in there. But I was looking at this Belvedere Vodka that ad that they, they put up there. Here, I'll put it up on the YouTube right now for folks. But- the sheer graininess of this thing is insanity. Well, like, vodka's made of grain. Look at this. Look <laughs> at this, though. So true. Look at this. Do you see this on screen? Yeah, but the you can barely see the like bottle. That. You can barely see that bottle. Oh, well, that's, that's just like a, it's because it's a clear bottle. It's a, a flaw in the product. That's a weird a- animation. The dog one was very crisp and clear. I think they look like pop-ups and they seem kind of intrusive, but I like to think about all the possibilities with 3D art in our ad creative. It seems kind of fun. So these are available in- I just don't need a 3D vodka bottle. Who buys, who's like, oh, look at this, look at this bottle. It's great. Um, that crystal skull head vodka though, that'd be okay. a cool 3D ad. Cause they should make an exception for, for that. Yeah. Yes. Or they were, the sneaker one was cool. Did you see the Adidas shoe? You're a sneaker head, aren't you? Not a sneaker head. No. <laughs> I mean, I have some fancy pants shoes, but I don't wear them or anything. I guess maybe. They had know. all the parts of the sneaker like separated out. That's, That's cool. A but lot you, of possibilities. Well, what what is it for the vodka? Make the case for a vodka bottle. I don't need to. I don't want it for a vodka bottle. Okay. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that ad looked terrible. It was like a weird drawing. It was just the vodka bottle swirling around. If you're a Ad, a website, you shouldn't want ads for vodka anyway. I don't want that. What if anyway. you're a cocktail recipe website shop? Oh, gosh. You always find a nice wholesome excuse. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> These are available in three sizes, and full screen expansion is optional for the user. 
the ads will run across the Google Ad Manager inventory. So check them out if you're a display and video 360 advertiser. And finally, from Tim Jensen at Timothy J. Jensen on Twitter, he found a little LinkedIn ads update that might save people a lot of time. He noticed that if you change the URL in an ad, it no longer resets the image and headline. It makes you start from scratch. It'll save it. You can just change the URL. This is very nice for making little UTM tweaks or testing your landing page. And that is it for paid. What is happening in organic? All right. In organic, we have some news. First up from Google, they put out a kind of like a release. They compared what Discover is doing to search. They went on a little bit more. We're going to talk about that in a second. They talked about a lot about Discover. And one of the things that people latched on to is they said, Google says content cannot be optimized for Discover in the same way that it can be optimized for search results. So people immediately said, you cannot optimize for Discover. Ha, 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 ha. That is hilarious to say that you can't optimize for Discover. That's like Facebook coming out and being like, oh, yeah, we're good people. Like, <laughs> no. Or TikTok coming out and being like, oh, yeah, we, we don't see your data. Or Twitter being like, oh, you can't hack us. No. If anytime you see, you hear that saying that you can't optimize it, they're saying a very specific thing. Like it doesn't work the same exact way as search. Sure. It's discover. It's not search. No, duh. Like we get that. But trying to say that you can't optimize for it is blatantly incorrect. And if you want to optimize for it, talk to Glenn Gabe because he shared with us some of the stuff that he's been doing and it is phenomenal. And speaking of Glenn, he followed up and said that there's a great catch by Kenichi Suzuki. And all this will be on marketingclock.com if you want to see everything. But there's also a little bit in there about EAT and how EAT plays into Discover much like Search. So, oh, <laughs> Discover doesn't work like Search. Well, Search has EAT, Discover has EAT. So everybody better be hungry over here. And the quote says, our automated systems surface content and discover from sites that have many individual pages that demonstrate expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. Eat. So those improve, that want to improve eat can consider some of the same questions we encourage site owners to consider for search. So yes, you, you can optimize for it. It is important to have authoritative stuff. But yeah, it's not exactly the same as search because it's something completely different. Next up, Spotify has some new podcast charts, hoping to help people get discovered more, which is great. Been all in on podcast, signing Joe Rogan, buying The Ringer, and we've got even more news that Shep's going to break a little bit later. Not break, it's, pretty, it's already broken, but they've got another big player in the podcast game. Maybe she's not a player, but she's going to be a big player. She is the game. She's the game. The whole game. And she's coming to Spotify and will probably take top place on these charts. So there's going to be reliable rankings based off of Spotify's data. If you're a podcaster and you haven't signed up, there, the, Spotify is the best analytics out there. It is phenomenal. You can see uh, gender information, age information, what songs people listen to. Uh, Jess, when you go out to find out what people are listening to, listen to the show recently. And, uh, <laughs> I'll share that a little bit later. That was great. And Shep, I saw your tweet that you had about this. I think you said, too bad that there's not a silly marketing podcast chart yet. Yeah. It's too bad. 
too bad, but I guess we're business, right? In the front. Yeah. Silly in the back. <laughs> All right. Next up, according to Matt Southern from Search Engine Journal, over 25% of people click on the first Google search result. That number is actually 28.5% according to a new study from Systrix. They analyzed over 80 million keywords and billions of search results to understand how users engage with the SERPs. So obviously first is 28.5, second is 15.7, then 11, and then it goes in single digits to positions four and below. Very interesting thing from this survey or I don't even, what, what, what is it? Survey? Study. Study from study? the study is that when there's an ad in the search results, it reduces the click-through rate of that first position by 10 percentage points. So it drops immediately down to 18.9%. So people are, we get it all the time where people are like, I don't know who clicks on ads. And it's like, hey, okay, that you can have whatever thoughts you want. I don't care. But people click on ads, like talk to Systrix, get them on the blower. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Did you guys click on the first result? If it is what I want. Yeah, I like read the meta description and everything. I just don't click willy-nilly. Yeah, if I'm clicking willy-nilly, I'm clicking an ad. I'm also a big like right-click, open in a new tab, try multiple things. Wow, I didn't know a that. Back button. It's annoying. It's more clicks. I don't want to get carpal tunnel. Okay. I think it's it's two clicks either way. But don't. Who's counting? <laughs> Not Chap. All right. Well, keeping it going with Discover. This was another article over on Search Engine Journal. And Google Discover is now showing large images for non-AMP pages. There was an issue with that. Not showing. It has been fixed, so if you want to be shown without being AMP, your images will now pull into Discover. I personally love Discover images. I just shared in our show notes some of the amazing images that I get. It, and I, I actually love it when they don't match up with the story. I love it. Like I got one about White Claw stands saying that this seltzer is better than White Claw for sure, and it's somebody holding a credit card up. And then there's another <laughs> one about... Dr. Disrespect, I don't know who it is, and if he did something bad, um, I, I cancel him, whatever. Um, but it's a guy <laughs> with this crazy mustache and like hair, it's, it's so funny. Is that Dr. Disrespect? Yeah, how do you know that's not him? That sounds <laughs> like Dr. Know. Disrespect to me. I, the thing that I love about the images in, in Discover is they usually are just, probably one out of every six are just completely random. Like this person <laughs> with the white claw. And they've got a credit card. We'll put it in the show notes over at marketingclock.com if you want to check it out. But it's And I know what that answer probably is. What? Do you know what the best seltzer is on the market now? Oh, you have the wrong answer to this. No, I have the right answer now. Okay, what? What do you say, Shep? Truly citrus pack. I keep it simple. See, that's the, incorrect. Specific. Jess, what about you? I don't really drink them. I'm, He's hardcore. I'm, yeah. <laughs> well, Give me that 3D vodka bottle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Blue Light Seltzer is really oh, good. I, blue light, I tried the Bud Light one. I have not tried Blue Light. Blue Light. Wow. It's a, a Buffalo thing. Shouts to bat. But it's really good. Surprisingly good. Is there a flavor you like that I should seek out next time I'm not buying these? You would appreciate Mango Lime. Oh, no, Mango Lemon. 
It's, it tastes like a lemon cake or something weird, but it's good. You, Sounds like it's a very surprising to me. You like your seltzers really sweet. Like you wouldn't even think you're a seltzer guy, but then you like the bad mermaid one that literally tastes like a Jolly Rancher. What are you talking about? Are you talking about the Cat and Jack? Yeah, I'm just surprised. <laughs> yes, Cat and Jack. No, it's hard like bon, seltzer. Bon and I for something like that, right? Yeah, um, I would just, first of all, I wouldn't think you would drink a lot of seltzer, but then I think you got on them when you were keto season. Mm-hmm. But- the flavors you went for were very surprising to me. So I don't think you would be able to guess Jessica's personally. I know Jess. Jess would like mango lemon. I will buy some and drizzly them over to your house. I don't know, man. I don't I will I would try them and tell you, but I, lemon to me is usually tastes fake. I can get down with okay. mango because mango's not too sweet. Right. If anyone well, cares. Something that is also not sweet is the new cookie blocking. You can't get your sweet tooth going in Chrome 84. They're rolling out restrictive third-party cookie handling that can cause anything that is a third-party cookie not to set. And it can, well, if you listen to Roger Monty over at Search Engine Journal, it can result in loss of income or website functions that break. He said it, not me. Um, if you are doing using third-party cookies or some sophisticated ad technology that is not intrinsic, it could have some some issues. It is rolling out now. The big thing is Roger had an amazing, amazing photo header in this article. Photo. Did you guys see it? Chef photo Busan, implies right? this oh, yeah. Who knows? I don't know. It's 2020. <laughs> Who knows anymore? Of course. I wait for Roger's articles just for the beautiful images. And it's got a picture of milk running through... <laughs> With two straws. Two straw milk. And the milk is eating a cookie and is running away from a chrome asteroid. <laughs> Phenomenal. He's eating one cookie and holding hands with another one. Like, come with me, hands. my next victim. He's a and, bad friend. But the cookies are so happy. It's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, how come the cookie he's eating is defenseless, defenseless with no arms and legs? And the other cookie is walking around on two oh, legs he, and holding his hand. He ate those first. He just like spun the cookie and ate the limbs on the outside oh, and then took oh, away yeah. his options. I That's see. what I would do. Now, this isn't a fun image anymore. I take it back. But if you <laughs> want to see it, head over to marketingclock.com and you can check it out. Also, there is a new update to the Google recipe structured data. If you recall back on July 8th last week, we talked about the fact that you need to now segment the video feed the video structure data and the recipe structure data, it's changed now. So now you can put together your structured data that includes video in your recipe structure data. If you want more information, you need to look at it yourself. Most people don't care about this. But basically before they said you're going to need to make this in separate bowls and now it's going to be a one pan result. Do you guys see that? (laughs) No? Okay. We need more information about your lifestyle before we can talk about the actual recipe, Greg. My lifestyle? Your life story. Oh, yes. Yeah. Isn't that how recipe blogs work? You got to tell us everything first. Yeah, it's a new field. Then the pans. Yeah. Everything has happened in your life up until this date. So these days to have a successful recipe blog, you've got to be a good cook. You've got to have a great storytelling ability. And, you know, exciting life stories. And you really have to be an SEO expert because things are always changing. And like a a programmer. Yeah. Like you have to get your, like you have to get, it's crazy. You have to like follow all these parameters that change every week. It's nuts. We ask so much of them. I know. 
But you know what? Surprisingly, we don't ask anything about their life, but they give it to us. <laughs> All right. Next up, YouTube Studio is picking up a new analytics for artists by adding more engagement data. And this is a new goal of the new analytics for artists will give creators the most comprehensive and complete view of their audience, global reach, and performance across the platform. So there's going to be a new total reach metrics that incorporates views from videos uploaded to the official channel, as well as those that are created by fans, tastemakers, collaborators, people, old creepy people doing duets, and anything else that's uploaded to YouTube. So you can see how it's viewed separately on your channel or just the overall combined stuff. So I think that's cool that you can see how people are remixing, remaking, rehashing your music. The only thing is like, I'm kind of like, these people are making money off of me, right though? Like, yeah. This is my stuff. Shut them down. I'm not making money. I mean, sp spreading the word. What, what, what would Brittany think, Shep? I don't think she'd like it, but she hasn't released new music in a long time because um, she's under a conservatorship and they won't let her make her own business decisions. Well, August 23rd, look for that new album. And additionally, song detail will show all content fan created lyric videos, covers, dance videos, and anything on YouTube that about a particular track. So I love it. You're going to be able to see more if you're an artist. Next up from Barry Schwartz, Google alerts users to wear a mask on Google Maps. And it's just a little pop-up that shows you to wear a mask to help slow the spread of COVID-19. They should have another pop-up if you put in a bar that just says, don't go. That would be helpful. Yeah, or if, or if you're going to a hot spot, it's like, hey, don't go to Florida. Like, are you sure you want to go there? Like, are you sure? All I think about is, um, what is the National Lampoon's vacation? He's like, well, I don't close the state of Florida. Like, little did he know, Mr. <laughs> Wally. <laughs> they do now. All right, and we are almost done here on Organic. And next up is an article from Barry Schwartz. Again, this is time it's over on Search Engine Roundtable. And there was a tweet, and, and the article is called Google. It is safe to keep 302 redirects up. Also noted, Barry didn't say it is a good thing to keep 302 redirects up, but John Mueller had responded to somebody uh, that asked the question, hi, John, how long is it safe to use a 302 redirect? John said, why would it be unsafe? I'm sure some 302 redirects have been in place since decades. Like, yeah, you're not going to kill anybody with a 302 redirect. It's so sassy. I know. I don't know. Anyway. I, I got to say, though, I'm turning on their podcast. I forget the name of it, the Edge, edge of Search or something. We'll put oh, yeah. it in the show notes, but I, I Search off the record. Search off the record. I appreciate them doing this. I listened to some of it today. Jess, you think you have bad puns? You might, be a, you might not win a clocks here this year for bad puns because Search off the record is phenomenal with bad puns. There's not supposed to be anyone else in the category. It's supposed to be me. <laughs> They have like multi. It's Martin. It's Martin Split. Yeah. He no. May be your arch nemesis. But they're like set I'm up fan, puns. No, I like. They him. are set up puns. Like they're so set up. They're all in on it, so they just give him the best opportunity to shine with his pun. I would never do that for you because I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I sneak them in anyway. Yeah, you feel like it. They're reading off a script, but they're still really bad puns. You would love it. All right. Okay. I, I listened to one up. Some news from yesterday. The Wall Street Journal, and they, I, this is what I like. They call 
in the article from Search Engine Journal, he wrote, the journal conducted Google searches for a selection of other videos and channels that are available on YouTube as well as competitors' platforms. The YouTube versions were significantly more prominent in the results than the vast majority of cases. The Wall Street Journal is allegedly saying, well, is saying that Google is allegedly bumping YouTube ahead of other video platforms. So they did a bunch of testing, searching Google for titles of selected publishers that had posted identical content to YouTube and a competing platform. They found that YouTube versus Facebook Watch, YouTube was uh, ahead 95% of the time. YouTube versus Twitch, they had 86% of the time. YouTube versus Daily Motion, they had 82% of the time. I like how Daily Motion is better than Twitch or Facebook Watch. But Never. am I supposed to have heard of that? Daily Motion? Yeah. It was like YouTube before YouTube. It's like oh. the Wild West of video. You don't want, uh, you don't want to go to I'm not interested. You don't want to go there. All right. And for a nice, easy transition into social for you, Jess, Google had temporarily removed Twitter results from search. As we talked about earlier in the show, there was a huge hack. And typically, you would see full-on tweets from a verified user like myself in the search results showing up and Google removed that because they couldn't trust it anymore. So, you know, what you would see pre-hack was maybe the last three tweets from somebody like Tim Cook and afterwards it would just show Tim Cook's bio. So for whatever that's worth, Google's pretty quick on it, quicker than I guess Twitter fixing that. So cool. That's it for organic, bud. what's happening in social? All right, well, let's stick with the theme of getting rid of things. Facebook is apparently considering a ban on political advertising. This is according to unnamed sources, a.k.a. the silhouette with the distorted voice that's always spilling the beans on true crime shows, so we don't really know who said this. There's no official word yet on a decision, but it sounds like something they're actually taking pretty seriously, and they're thinking about it as a method for curbing misinformation. So, again, it's just something they're considering for now, and we'll keep you posted if the ban becomes official. Also from Facebook, they are offering a new free online course. I think they call it an e-learning course for community managers. So if you ever wanted to learn more about things like making strategic content decisions for a community or engaging and moderating a community, things like that, you can check it out. It's free. It is there for you. Next up, Pinterest has updated their feed algorithm to help surface new pins and a broader range of content. So user engagement on pins will still play a pivotal role in what is ranking. That's not going away, but the update is intended to prevent the Pinterest experience from growing stale. So still serving up relevant recommendations, but different types of content. They have also added a new element of control where Pinterest can essentially choose to focus on recommendations of a certain kind based on how their goals vary over time. So if you want to know how it works, Pinterest shared their math and these equations look like the secret to time travel. I put them in the show notes. That is crazy. Right? I don't know what these mean. I don't want to see that. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like they can't be giving everything away, but if that means something to someone, like power to you, go copy Pinterest. I don't know. It's wild. But anyway, the point is from a marketing perspective anyway, just keep your content fresh and stay on top of trends. If it sounds like Pinterest is focusing on video and you don't have any, Maybe you should make some because they're going to be able to change. We'll put it in the show notes. But Jess, I was pretty good if you look at that second one in there (laughs) until the upside down A. The (laughs) upside down A hit and I'm like, well, I don't know what that is. There are no numbers in this math either except zero. Turn my head and hope it's a real A. I don't get it. I can't look at it anymore. I know. It just, I had to put it in here because it's not, I'm just going to say it's not English, but it's not. It's math. (laughs) 
Okay. Next up, many major record labels have been looking for a more lucrative alternative to YouTube. In case you guys aren't up on the music industry trends, Facebook might actually be the answer. The platform is launching a new program meant to incentivize artists that want to share their music videos exclusively on Facebook. Musicians are already being prompted to switch over to a new setting that will automatically share any new videos that they've licensed to Facebook directly to their page. They don't have to manually post anything. It's really convenient. And this could be big for Facebook Watch if, that, if this catches on and artists start moving their music away from YouTube. I don't know. I mean, I feel like the people that are using Facebook are all old enough to remember when MTV actually played music videos. So if we start like, and I want my FTV rallying cry, you might have something here. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You guys are- No, what's FTV? Facebook TV. It's like a play on MTV. Oh, oh, instead of I want my MTV. Yeah. Do you know that I want my MTV, like in the very beginning to try and get cable providers to carry MTV? Nothing? No. Yeah. So Jess, do not look this up. But back at, when, when that happened, right, Kurt Loder, probably the head news person there, right? Yeah. You remember that? How old do you think him. he is? Now? Yeah. He's got to be, I'm going to go 72. 75. Wow. We're old. Because he was, he was old even when he was young, right? Like, I don't know how he got that gig, but I've, like Sway was super young and like all these other VJs and news reporters, but Kurt Loder was always a little bit older. That's the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. He was old. Even when he was young. <laughs> so insightful. Just like us. <laughs> All right, moving on. A new report has confirmed what I think most smart marketers, aka our listeners already know. Consumers prefer different types of promotional content on different social platforms. So this is confirmed, y'all. You can read the article if you want more details. We'll have it in the show notes at marketingclock.com. But the TLDR is that user-generated content tends to be more influential on Instagram, while branded content is considered more authentic in places like Twitter and YouTube. So not to get scientific, right? But this feels right. Like if Starbucks is tweeting as Starbucks, feels real to me. But I don't know. I feel, I feel like it'd be weird if they were sharing UGC on Twitter. So I don't know. This makes sense. But it's nice, I guess, to echo things we already know with data. But I see that that in, in real life too and it working really well. Like recently, I, I guess Facebook thinks I'm in the market for maybe a new mask, which I am. <laughs> and there's a lot of these ads that have been spun up really quick. And it's like just somebody throwing a mask on, showing how it fits and that's it. And it somehow it really translates well on Instagram. It doesn't look forced. It looks organic. And it's, I, I don't know. Do you guys get any of those ads where they just look like somebody threw them together? No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, you get them in stories, I think, too, a lot of times. And it looks like a story. It doesn't look like they snuck an ad into a story. I think it makes sense. It translates well. Did you buy a mask from Instagram? You know, I'm all about shopping from social. I did not. Mm. So it didn't work that well. (laughs) Not not yet. I have to buy one. I just don't know what. Right now, I use those little goiters that go over your face. Goiters? Gator. Gator. (laughs) They're not allowed in Disney World. Really? Really? They're not counting. Yeah. So wow. The mask, their mask definition has like the word ear in it. It has to go around your ears. Well, you I can, can pull it up over my ear. Pull it up. Yeah. They wow. acted like gators were being banned at the gates, you guys. I'm sorry to tell you. I you just have to that you're up on Disney's policies on mask wearing. <laughs> oh, I'm all, I'm fascinated. <laughs> they should ban gators, not gators. It's they true. In Florida, to. they have a lot. Yeah. It's hard there. <laughs> All right. A quick update on Twitter. We've been talking about them a lot today. 
they are rolling out a new message experience that pops up over your timeline instead of switching away from it. It's kind of like the Facebook experience when you're on the web. So if you're using twitter.com, keep an eye out for that. Do you guys remember Byte? Yes. Unfortunately. You say that so begrudgingly. Well, everyone I'm else a Byte celebrity. You are? Um, well, aren't we, we all? Yeah. <laughs> We sure are. I have some images in the show notes. I re-downloaded Byte for this story. <laughs> that might have been the worst thing I've done in my life. Same. <laughs> we, we were trying, for those that weren't following us on Byte at the time, when it, when it first came out, we were trying to do the news in six seconds. And so we made a Byte and we'll put these screenshots in the show notes as well. We looked really cool doing it. Anyway, the, uh, the app is experiencing a surge after the possibility of TikTok being banned. They had... 126,000 global downloads in a single day last week, and 91% of that came from the U.S., which maybe doesn't sound like a lot, but I think they were getting something like 1,000 average global downloads a day before all this talk about TikTok started, so Byte might be the next thing, so keep it in mind anyway. I wouldn't say run over there yet, like we're not going to do a Byte this week, but just something to keep in mind. (laughs) Finally, from the desk of Jess Bud and probably many other people around the world. When I opened Twitter this week, I was greeted with a message that said, you're in control. Ads on Twitter are what keep our service free to help improve which ones you see without increasing the number of them. You can let Twitter use information from our partners to better tailor ads to you on Twitter, as well as other website and apps. And you can say, yes, turn on personalized ads or no, keep less relevant ads. I turned on personalized ads because I wanted to support our industry. But I just thought that this was interesting because there was all that talk last week about they're possibly being a subscription service on Twitter. And I mean, maybe they are thinking about that, but I feel like then an option here would have been like, no, I'd rather pay and not see ads at all. But just interesting. It's also like next level on opting, you know, out of something where they're like, oh yeah, turn on the personalized ads or keep less relevant (laughs) ads. Like who's going to click that? I didn't click it. No, this is great marketing, right? They got their, their CTAs, right? I wish it was like their polls and we could see how many people clicked what. Ooh, I'd be interested to know. I would too. Well, I clicked, yes, turn them on. And that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. It is certification season for me. I have to re-up all my tests this month. Um, Last week, I complained about the Google Skill Shop, and this week, I was looking forward to the Microsoft one because I think it's a little less salesy and more information-based usually, but they were talking so much about the LinkedIn job targeting, and it just reminded me that we've literally been talking about this for like two years, and we've just stopped talking about it to clients anymore because it feels like it's never coming, and they're acting like it's here in this test. So I went into my account and it's in there, like you can click demographics and then job function, but there's no job functions that come up. So apparently they're available for the audience ads, but not search. And I'm just losing out hope that they ever will be. Hardly working. What about you, Jess? I have another hardly working from the other search ad platform, Google Ads. So we had an account this week we had taken over from somebody else and we set up all new campaigns with all new landing pages. Everything has changed. And we noticed that there were some dynamic call out extensions running still. So we went in and we turned those off. It's one of the first things that we do. But there were ad extensions being pulled in 
dynamic callouts, basically information being pulled in from landing pages for campaigns that were paused and the information was completely incorrect, completely irrelevant to the campaigns that we were going to run. So just terrifying. Don't leave these on. You shouldn't be leaving these on. If you're inheriting an account from somebody else, get in there. Just and double hidden. check. It's dangerous. They're they hidden. It's so hard to find. Yes. They're Where hard to find what them. they are. They're hard to turn off, but it is worth the effort because that would have been bad, right? Terrifying. Yes. Hardly working. What about you, Greg? For my accounts, I had, we have account in Canada that we have some reporting in Google ads and analytics that's Canadian dollars. And then in the main sales, it's converted to USD just so that everything could be compared correctly against the US and the Canadian side of things. So I was going to try to do some quick translations of Canadian dollars versus US dollars in today's economy. Google, Google could not do it. I don't know if I put it in wrong, but bing, thankfully, I'm mm. on edge and bing did it really well. I was binging those conversions on stuff. And the cool thing is bing showed the conversion value almost like a stock. It was really cool to see that. So just another reason if you don't think you can use ads or bing or something like that, it is pretty good. And in this case, it didn't work in Google and I had to use bing. So big ops to bing. Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. You're like, who does that? <laughs> Just get rid of it. I'm over it. <laughs> Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about our trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. As we have discussed on the show, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and President Trump have both talked about banning TikTok over security concerns in the United States. And the Gen Z and millennial users who love the app are obviously really upset about this, especially the influencers who rely on the app for income. So you may be saying to yourself, there's all these other social platforms out there. Why don't these influencers just go there? And they are, as we talked about, people are signing up for Byte. They're trying to make Byte happen a little bit. Apparently Dub Smash is a thing too. Some of these influencers are going there. But there's a lot of great quotes in this article. You have to read it. And a lot of them are saying that Instagram and YouTube seem to be here to say so they're building their audiences more on those platforms they see them as more of an enduring business decision and that that's the hard part of influencer I'd imagine is all of a sudden Twitter's like vine's gone and you're the vine star and you're out and yeah you had all these followers and now they're gone and you're like oh I know what TikTok is I know that they don't let people that are in houses that have walls that have a hole in it or a crack on the platform or people that have um, uh, physical disformities. Like we read that a few a few months back and Mark was on the show at that time. And you are choosing to go with this platform that you know is suspect. Mm-hmm. What do you expect is going to happen? I mean, I feel bad for him in a way, but you need to diversify your portfolio, yeah. right? I mean, most of the kids, it is kids being quoted in this article, which makes the quotes kind of funny, but it's also like sad, like, I I think this is going to be a big lesson for them. So, of course, these talkers are retaliating. And a bunch of them posted negative reviews for President Trump's campaign app. And it currently has a one-star rating (laughs) thanks to the TikToker's revenge. There's an amazing quote in the article, so I'm just going to read it. It says, for Gen Z and millennials, TikTok is our clubhouse, and Trump threatened it. Lori Black, a 19-year-old TikTok user in California, told Bloomberg in an interview about the app ratings, if you're going to mess with us, we will mess with you. 
I love that, except for the fact that Trump could just cancel TikTok. But what are you going to do, Lori Black? Yori Black? I just, I mean, put an ounce of that energy into figuring out another platform, get a step ahead of everybody else, and there you go. Just go over Kids to Bite. Today. Yeah. You know, we made it big on Bite. We have we tons of followers there. And we had like seven likes on that. Uh, let me look back wow. at the screenshot. Yeah. Seven bats. Seven. Yep. And one and I, bite. I actually had a big breakthrough with TikTok this weekend. Like I was laughing so hard at things that I realized I can never download it because it would be act it would be so detrimental to my life. It there's some funny wow. stuff. They have these lizard talks. There's it's just like a video of a lizard in the street with like weird music in the background. Like I didn't know it had that kind of humor. That's the kind of stuff I like to see where they had frog talks. Okay. So, we, we need you to download TikTok. I, I truly do. can't. I truly can't. I told you guys I'm already caught up on Instagram all the time. I've got I know. to put the phone TikTok. down. No, TikTok. You're caught up on Instagram. We need to get you over to TikTok to report back. No, I need to throw my phone away. <laughs> Maybe I'll try for a week and put a limit all on right. it, but it's hard. Perfect. I can't do it. Perfect. Okay. And now on to our grab bag segments, the segment segments. And first up in show notes, we don't have any upcoming shows. MozCon was last week, but there is a new webinar out there from power listener of the show, our Glenn, our paid Glenn um, over on marketingwhatsnew.com. He has the right stuff webinar. If you want to participate and join in, this seems like something that is free and great. So go check it out. It will be in our show notes this week. And it is the lead gen resourcing, choosing the right stuff. I mean, who wants the wrong stuff? Do you want that, Chip? Absolutely not. Okay. Nobody. All right. And then this week, going viral, we've got maybe the two best memes this week. So I want to know your thoughts on the cake meme. Jess, are you I don't know the cake meme. What? The cake meme. Everything is cake? I see people talking about it, but I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, what are you talking about? Tasty put out a video that showed people, it looked like something very realistic and then everything was cut into cake. And then so everybody started replicating it with like, we'll put it in the show notes, marketingclock.com. But people started replicating with real people and then people use video skills to like cut into my head and my head is cake and everything is cake. It's great. I guess you had to be there. because. So if you're a brand and you want to go viral, make a cake that looks real and then cut it open, you're viral. And then secondly, the mummy meme where <laughs> I forget what happened. It was somebody recreated in a 3D printer the oldest person ever found, vocal cords, and somebody remixed it. And they said, here's what the, the original mummy meme sounded like. And then it sounded like somebody yelling really loud. <laughs> it's really that, funny. I did like that one. <laughs> and so on Marketing Clock on Twitter, we redid the whole thing. You know what? I should just play it for everybody right now. Yes. And we used an outtake from the one, the only, Christine Zernheld. AKA and, Shep. AKA Shep. <laughs> and here we go. We're able to mimic Nessie Amun's voice by recreating his mouth and vocal cords with a 3D printer. It allowed them to produce a single sound. <laughs> the first time I listened to it, I didn't even know what it was. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's my so goodness. Good. I so, just picture this ancient Egyptian, like, super royal. Everybody respects him, and he's just walking around. <laughs> I was like, is this some kind of joke I don't get? Because me and my husband were laughing at the meme the night before. 
So I was like, oh, people are sending them in the work channel. Oh, what's this one? He's like, oh, I don't know. I was like, wait, I think it's me. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, go viral. Put something from your company in there and boom. We're just doing the marketing for you. What else do you got? That's some great advice. So I got an email today and I screamed because uh, there's a Michelle Obama podcast coming to Spotify. Greg really doesn't like the description. It says, discover what's possible when we let ourselves be vulnerable, open up and focus on what matters the most. I think it's going to be amazing. That's not the part. No. That's what you said. You didn't like it. You said you can't be vulnerable on a podcast. I didn't say the the no, 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 no. I don't like liars. And I, I'm big fan of Michelle Obama. Going to listen to this, but I don't like the fact she said, "Hear Michelle Obama's most candid and personal conversations." You think she's having those on Spotify? (laughs) The most personal. She would. Shep, have you had your most personal conversations on this show? I'm not Michelle Obama. She's a lovely person and would share anything with us. I'm so excited. I need nice headphones to just hear the soothing sound of her voice. I'm so excited. And retweet. Because you thought that there's no way you said that Kim Kardashian was getting paid more than Joe Rogan because he already had inventory. I want to know what you think about Michelle Obama. Hmm. I'm going Joe Rogan's making more. <sighs> I, I, I have to say that it's $100 million. You've got an audience. There is a difference by saying you're taking this audience and bringing it over to people that are hungry and like this all the time versus saying you are one of the most um, notable female or most notable people in general. I don't know. I would love to know how much she's getting paid. I just can't imagine if she knows how much Joe Rogan's getting paid. You know what though, Shep? That is a very personal conversation and I'm sure we're (laughs) going to hear it on the show, right? Personal conversation. Only if it's the most personal. If there's something more personal than that, we won't hear. What's more personal than finances? I'm sure that's coming. Listen and tune in. (laughs) And our last segment here, we have extra, extra spice served up just for you. You guys need to check out Mark from our team's recaps of our show every week. They are amazing. You can find him on Twitter at Mark underscore from underscore MKTG, like Mark from marketing. So this week he um, co-signed my rant about the Google Skillshop test. He said, I've said it once, I'll say it again. Skillshop is just a sales tool for everything they push in optimization score. At Shep Zernhaub, say it louder. Thanks, Mark. And now for this week's cool tool. As a reminder, our cool tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. This week's cool tool is for all the e-commerce folks out there. It is from Andrew McGarry of the McGarry Agency, and he and his team have built some wicked Google shopping reports in Data Studio. They make it easy for advertisers to spot underperforming products, look at industry trends, and more. And it's all automated using a custom database. If that sounds intimidating, don't fret. They're sharing the code resources and step-by-step technical instructions to make this for free so that you too can have your very own insight reports. It's really, really awesome. If you want to peek at the sample report or if you're just itching to get started and dive right in, we will have the link to Andrew's article in our show notes. So just head on over to marketingclock.com and check it out. Now it's time for our must read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. This week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from the one, the only, the official 2019 BFF of the show, Glenn Gabe. And Glenn put together a fantastic article about web stories. 
we talked about it last week. I really want to get in there and play around with it, but you know what? I didn't even need to because of how well Glenn covered this whole thing. So if you're on YouTube, you should be able to see this. He put down 12 tips and recommendations for creating your first story. Um, one of my favorite things was the second tip he gave about really planning ahead with your storyboard. So he walks through A, how to do it, B, how to do it better, and then everything that you need to know how to even take it to that next level. In the video upon release, it looked like it was super easy to make these stories, but he kind of goes through the actual process. He gives you the real spit as to how to make these, how to make these stories. He keeps it a buck. Have I said enough hip things yet, Shep? Or no? I no? hate all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fantastic. If you want to try web stories, this is your go-to. And if you want to find the article, head on over to Marketing O'Clock. It is a fantastic reference and anybody should bookmark it, save it, fave it, retweet it, whatever you need to do. Thank you, Glenn. All right. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, if you can catch everything from the show on marketingoclock.com. And while you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Welcome to this week's Shoot in the Heck, where after our famous Friday news shows, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just... Shoot the heck. This week, we're playing the game that nobody never knew they needed. This game is called Extinct McDonald's Menu Items. <laughs> I have <laughs> two rounds of multiple choice for both of you. And I'm going to have four options. And you have to pick which one I invented and... The other three were really items on the McDonald's menu. In the United States. Oh, that's important because I hear it's different yeah, around the there's world. There's crazy ones around the world. Okay. Okay, so who would like to go first? Me. Okay. A. McRoast beef. B. McLobster. C. McSalad shakers. <laughs> or D. Eggs Benedict McMuffin. Do any of those sound appetizing to you, first of all? Well, Zero. Okay. Oh, these are all meat. Well, no, salad shaker's not meat. Oh. Unless there's chicken on it. But I'm trying to guess the one that you made up. Yeah. It's got to be McRoast beef. That can't correct. be. Yeah. McDonald's would never. <laughs> Darn it, bud. <laughs> um, so the McLobster roll Ugh. was introduced in 1993 and didn't last long. The salad shakers in a cup came in Garden Chef, Grilled Chicken Caesar, so that's the one you couldn't have. Chef, you're a fancy lady. What's your take on seafood? Oh, I love shellfish. I don't really like other seafood. I like sushi and shellfish. I would never eat a McLobster. I eat seafood when I can see water. Anytime, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't. No, I kind of want buffalo seafood. No. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And somebody told me you're only supposed to eat it in months that end in R. Or you, you don't eat it in months that end in R. That's most months, though, yeah, right? because that's when it's not fresh. I think it was days that end in Y. <laughs> that would be every day. Uh, also, the Eggs Benedict McMuffin had no poached egg, just hollandaise sauce. That sounds disgusting. Okay, Greg. That's, that's terrible. <laughs> Here are your options. A, fruit and walnut salad. B, fish McBites. C, mac and cheese. Or D, the Arch Deluxe. A. No, that really existed from 2005 
2013, and I ordered it a couple times. Remind everyone what it was? The fruit and walnut salad. It was a real thing. There were grapes. I remember grapes and um, yogurt and walnuts. You know what, Shep? You didn't buy enough of them, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I just think McDonald's breakfast food is really gross and greasy. Like, I have a problem with it. So and I just like a guilty pleasure that I have is the McGriddle, egg and cheese yeah, and sausage McGriddle. Is that Sorry, the one on the it's disgust with the um, maple syrup like injected in. Sounds oh, disgusting. It is disgusting, but it is amazing at the For same time. For a while, time. they had cinnamon sticks. I would do that, or I would do the fruit and walnut salad if I went. For I thought that was breakfast. BK. The cinnamon sticks. They both had it a version. Okay. Wait, Jess. what was what was the answer? Oh, it's fruit and walnut salad. It's real. So the real one, the fake one, is mac and cheese. But I made it up. They should really do it. You put up the parts of the Big Mac in the mac and cheese. That's a good idea. It yeah. should be called Big Mac and Cheese, though. That's where you went wrong. What if it's not that big? Well, it should be if it's mac and I cheese. Was small is a not side. a big. Oh. Thank you for running my game, by the way, because I'm not going to post it again. I think Jess can win with the correct result here. Ooh, okay. Stakes okay. are high. Again, because I didn't set up the game well. A, the McHot Dog. B, Onion Nuggets. C, McPizza. Or D, are you laughing or sneezing? I sneezed. I'm allergic to McPizza. <laughs> or D. Oh, no. McBerry Blast. I forgot the first two. Um, <laughs> I'll read them again. McHot Dog and Onion Nuggets. It's got to be Onion Nuggets. You made it up because you don't want me to pick it because you want me to think it was real. Onion Nuggets. They're real. Oh, boy. What? And well, Greg can steal. Fun fact for you, um, Roy Kroc said, like, over his dead body about hot dogs, he said, you never know what's in them, and the quality just isn't good enough for McDonald's. Well, I don't know who this man is, but has he met Chicken Nuggets? He was the founder. That's what I said, too. (laughs) So the one I made up was McBerry Blast for that one. I think the onion nuggets sound kind of good. Thank you. Anything onion. Yeah, I think think it's Michael Keaton, right? No. Or he's the one that stole everything. What movie are you talking what? about now? The McDonald's Multiplicity? movie, Shep. Yeah, oh, where it's the shaved. founder? Yeah, the founder. No, yeah, Multiplicity, where he uses the, uh, <laughs> the shaving, the razor on his tongue. Great movie. Does he do that? That Multiplicity? Right. You don't remember that? I only saw it once, but I remember the cover distinctly from Blockbuster. Oh. Okay, Greg. You can tie with this? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Great way to end the game. A. <laughs> A. Mix spaghetti. B. Mix soup. C. Strawberry shortcake McFlurry. Or D. The half pounder. Half pounder. Correct. Oh, you tied. So you tied. The double quarter pounder was a real thing, but not the half pounder. How do none of these things last? They sound so good. <laughs> That's how I, I really enjoyed mixed soup. <laughs> okay, well, that was a tie. Thank you, everyone, for playing, and we will see you next week.